Hello. Welcome to Talking About It, a community-based podcast from New Canaan, Connecticut, dedicated to reducing the stigma around behavioral issues our community members face. I'm your host, Cindy Graziano. February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, and today we're talking about warning signs, resources, and more with Meredith Gold, Director of Domestic Abuse Services at the Greenwich YWCA. Welcome, Meredith. Thanks so much for having me. Let's start with an understanding of what teen dating violence means. What is the definition of teen dating violence and abuse? So teen dating violence, just like intimate partner violence with adults, is when one partner establishes power and control over the other partner through a pattern of behaviors and tactics. And every relationship has conflict, so we're not talking about a bad fight once in a while or when one person says something that's not nice that they then regret later. We're really talking about a pattern that's repeated, and when it's one partner maintains that control or fear of the other, the relationship is unbalanced. And they may use several different tactics and behaviors, Um, so teen dating violence, just like intimate partner violence in adults, is not just physical. So we have verbal abuse, which could be criticism, name-calling, emotional abuse, which includes manipulation, isolating the person from their friends or family, extreme jealousy and control of their activities or appearances, even financial abuse, which is fostering dependence on, on one person, such as paying for a cell phone bill or giving rides even for a teen, anything that they depend on them that's of value. We also have sexual abuse, which is a coerced or forced sexual activity of any kind. And more recently, we've introduced digital abuse, which is uh, using technology to monitor someone or social media posts to harm or embarrass the the person. Could be excessive texting and calling. And then, of course, any kind of physical abuse, which includes pushing, hitting, choking, or even restraining someone, not letting them leave a place. Even something like tickling can be a form of physical abuse if one person wants it to stop and the other just won't stop. So again, I want to emphasize that teen dating violence and intimate partner violence are not just physical. What makes a relationship unhealthy or abusive is that imbalance of power where one partner is in charge. And this is so, so important because many survivors of abuse don't recognize that abuse was happening until it becomes physical Although in retrospect, they can see that they were victims long before anything physical happened. What also tends to happen is that abuse escalates over time. So maybe some of the unhealthy behaviors started with criticism or embarrassing the person in front of their friends, even a threat to break up or end the relationship. And then over time, it tends to get worse. Isolation, dependence, jealousy ultimately might turn into physical violence. One other thing I want to note is that abuse doesn't reveal itself early on in a relationship. If someone pushed you or on a first or second date, it's very easy to walk away. Generally, abusive behaviors tend to emerge once trust is already established. Thank you, Meredith. I think that's a a great way to begin our dialogue. You've mentioned a couple of times the difference between a teen dating relationship versus the adult abuse Are there other differences we should be aware of besides the ones you've mentioned? Sure. So we know that teens are more vulnerable in general. This is a time of life when young people are developing their identities, and at the core of that process is experimenting with different relationships and sort of trying on different roles. 
Peer relationships become central to their lives, especially as their sexual identity begins to form. So I like to talk about teens as little mini amplifiers. Everything that they feel or experience is turned up all the way to 11, really amplified. So they are particularly vulnerable when they experience everything at an 11. So, for example, a first relationship can feel automatically like, this is true love, I'll never feel this way again. And they don't have the benefit of experience. People might also think it's easier for teens to just end an unhealthy relationship. They're not married. They have no children or financial ties. Easy to walk away. But the paradox of adolescence is that they are beginning to experience independence in so many areas of their lives at the same time that they lack agency and real control over their own lives. So think about if a dating partner is someone that they go to school with or even have some classes together. Maybe they ride the the same school bus Maybe their parents are friends and are the parents are so excited that the kids are together. Really tough to end a relationship like that. And probably most important is the social aspect of their lives. They may have the same friend group and might feel that their friends have to choose sides if they break up or even talk about any abuse that's taking place. The abuser may have threatened to ruin the reputation, turn their friends against them. So it's really not just that easy to walk away. Also, this is the time of life when many teens turn away from their parents, especially when it comes to their social or dating lives. A teen is not likely to talk to their parents at all, let alone about things going south in their relationship. They may not even be allowed to date yet, so how could they possibly tell their parents what's going on? Worried they'll get in trouble? Will their partner get in trouble? Will they not be allowed to see that person anymore? Will the parents become overprotective and place even more restrictions on them? So while some of the aspects of an unhealthy relationship for adults and teens are similar, there are some specific issues that concern teens. To summarize that a bit, then, the definition of teen dating abuse is this pattern of controlling behavior between two people. And it seems that we do hear about it, but I wonder how prevalent it really is, not only in the country, but even right here in our community. Right. So we know that relationship abuse and coercive control for any age does not discriminate. This is an issue that impacts all races, ethnicities, those with varying education levels and socioeconomic status. And I've been working in this field for about 13 years in Greenwich, Connecticut, which has busted every myth that you can think of. I can tell you that intimate partner violence is happening in every town, every neighborhood and every block. It's not something that just impacts one kind of person from one kind of family. And in well-resourced communities, we might have a false sense of security that we're immune from this issue and that our kids don't have to worry about it, but this is really the furthest thing from the truth. So for adults, we know about one in three women experiences intimate partner violence at some point during her lifetime and about one in seven men. For teens, some of the startling statistics are that one in three adolescent girls in the United States is a victim of physical, emotional, or verbal abuse from a dating partner. In tweens, ages 11 to 14, one in five say that their friends have been victims of dating violence. And about 10% of teens in the United States report being physically hurt by a dating partner on purpose in the last year. So this is something that is very widespread. Alarming statistics for sure. You've mentioned a number of different types of abuse and unhealthy behaviors. Are there some new challenges for teens today that we haven't really touched on yet? 
So certainly, just like all of us, uh, teens are really centered around technology. And only recently did we define digital abuse as a new category of abuse. The constant connection that our cell phones give us is a major issue. And it used to be that when school was over for the day, kids went home, could separate for a few hours. Maybe they would talk on the phone later that day. But now the abuser is literally with them 24-7. Texting, social media, maybe even the pressure to send nudes, the insistence on sharing passwords, looking through each other's phones. There's also a lot of pressure to portray sort of what we call hashtag relationship goals online, which is true for adults that we want to portray an image that our relationship is healthy and happy. Another issue is that there's been a lot of research on the topic of loneliness. And historically, the population who was most lonely has always been older adults and the aging population. Today, there's been a real shift, and now young adults are suffering loneliness the most. And this is, could make a teen even more vulnerable to becoming a victim of abuse. Not to blame technology and social media, which also can be a very powerful tool, but there has definitely been a shift. As it relates to that, then, and this leads us into this question well, how does the behavior really impact a teenager, this unhealthy behavior, both short-term and long-term? You mentioned loneliness immediately, but some of the long-term impact, too. What are those impacts? So some of the common consequences of being in an unhealthy or abusive relationship for teens um, might mask themselves as just regular teen behavior. So it can be difficult to tease it all out. But some of the signs that we see um, for those who have experienced abuse are a loss of self-esteem, lower academic performance, an increase in other risky behaviors like substance abuse, depression, mood swings, even hypervigilance. And some of these are specific to abuse, um, certainly physical injuries or any bruises. And some of the impact could even be a bit deeper. Feelings of confusion, maybe they're not able to make good decisions, a loss of focus. Perhaps they've given up some of their activities or are not participating in the way they were in school. They may have feelings of shame or embarrassment, feeling that they may have done something to cause the abuse. And certainly the isolation from friends and family is a major issue that we see with teens who have been abused. Uh, some of the more obvious could be a disturbance of eating patterns or sleeping patterns, problems with other relationships. And some of these can be short-term, but we know that there are long-term consequences as well. Some research has cited that victims of domestic violence experience post-traumatic stress disorder to the same degree as those in frontline combat. Research also tells us that our first romantic relationship could set up a pattern of relationships that repeat into adulthood. So the good news, though, is that we as, as humans are pretty resilient, and that's especially true for young people. You mentioned some of the warning signs might be eating disorders, some loneliness, isolation. What else do parents need to be alert to in order to think about, could this be happening to my teen? So a warning sign that a relationship might turn unhealthy or abusive, and this is true for adults too, is a dating relationship that progresses very quickly and very intensely could be a sure warning sign. Somebody who exhibits extreme jealousy, and jealousy is tricky also because to some degree people could feel like 
Jealousy is a compliment, something like, oh, he's so into me that I need to check in with him wherever I go, or she loves me so much that she doesn't want me talking to other girls. But jealousy can quickly transform into a controlling behavior. Um, someone who seems to go back and forth between being the best partner ever and then seemingly all of a sudden is criticizing you or making you feel dumb. Someone who's manipulative and says things like, if you don't want to do this or that, I could easily find someone else who will. Someone who apologizes for the behavior and maybe even manipulates to the point of saying, you know, please don't break up with me. Please don't leave me. I just don't know what I would do if you broke up with me. And this presents a real dilemma for a victim who might feel responsible for the safety of their partner. Of course, anyone who tries to coerce or force a person to do anything, even if it's something that may not seem like a big deal, like cutting class or changing their clothes to wear a particular outfit, and of course, any type of physical violence or sexual violence. Some of the above that we've talked about could be a warning sign of abuse or it could just be someone acting like a not a nice person once in a while but just one incident of physical or sexual violence is not just a warning sign, it's actually abuse, and it's definitely time to get help right away. Well, let's talk about help. And first, let's talk about how do you help a friend. I imagine many of our listeners may have someone in their life that they're concerned about, a friend or someone they go to school with that they are thinking may be in an unhealthy relationship. How does that person reach out? Definitely. And that's so important, especially as victims of abuse tend to be more isolated. So it might be really hard to know how to help, but just being a good friend is a really good place to start. You might even have some negative feelings towards your friend if they have been spending all of their time with their partner or changing their behavior in other ways, but really try not to give up on them. Remember that your friend has been criticized and put down by their partner, so it's really important to be supportive and non-judgmental. Some things you can do are to definitely not ignore signs of abuse. Talk to your friend, express your concerns. You can say things like, I'm worried about you. You can state exactly what you've seen. I've noticed that you don't hang out with us anymore and that you're spending all of your time with your partner. Or it seems like you're intimidated or afraid of your partner. Is everything okay? Just listen and believe what your friend says. Make sure you point out your friend's strengths and abilities. Remind them how great they really are and that abuse is never okay. If this is for a young person or a teen, definitely encourage your friend to confide in a trusted adult. You can offer to go with them to talk to an adult for professional help or to call our emergency hotline. One really important don't is to try not to mediate or get involved directly. You never want to confront the abuser. This could create an even more dangerous situation for your friend or for you. If you see or witness any kind of physical or sexual abuse or believe that anyone is in immediate danger, call 911. Don't hesitate. It's also important to get support for yourself, although the victims are the one experiencing abuse firsthand. Friends and family members also are impacted by abuse. It's hard to go through something like this. And a few other important don'ts are do not put hotline or other information in your friend's bag or on their phone. Their abuser might find it and it could escalate the violence. And don't overpromise. Don't offer a friend to come stay with you if that's not something you can realistically and safely do. Never put yourself at risk. Thank you, Meredith. And just a couple of more questions to help. I'm wondering from a parent or trusted adult, what 
are the best ways for a parent or a trusted adult to help when someone has come forward? This is really tough because as parents and adults, we tend to want to swoop in and solve problems for our kids. And this is something that really needs to be worked out together. The best thing parents can do is to really try to keep the lines of communication open and talk to your kids about healthy and unhealthy relationships starting very early. Three in four parents said that they had a conversation with their teen about healthy relationships, but 74% of sons and 66% of daughters have said that they had not had a conversation about dating relationships with a parent. So there's a real disconnect here. Also, 82% of parents felt confident that they could recognize signs of dating abuse in their child, but only 24% could correctly identify warning signs of abuse in a survey. So even if you're feeling confident about the way things are going, you may not see the whole picture. It's also natural at this time for teens to turn away from their parents, but it's the most important time for parents to try to really maintain that connection. Helpful things that parents can say to their teen is to really express concern instead of anger. You can say something like, I'm really worried about you. Again, concretely state what you've witnessed that makes you feel concerned. You can say, I've noticed that your partner is texting you constantly and that you feel the need to reply right away, even after you've explained that you're with your family or you can't talk right now. Whatever you do as a parent, listen more than you talk. If you start talking over your child, they will likely shut down. Don't be too quick to give advice or tell them what you think they should do because this might make them feel controlled, just like in their abusive relationship. Do not minimize anything that your child expresses or the, the importance of the relationship itself. Try to reserve judgment. Don't criticize the abuser. Your child will likely just defend them. And if you criticize your child by saying things like, how could you put up with this, they're likely to shut down. It's great to sort of reflect back what your child says and validate their feelings, saying, I can understand how difficult this must be for you, or I'm hearing you say that there are some things you don't like about your relationship, but that you still have feelings for your partner. And really, prevention is the best tool that we have. Teach them about healthy relationships early on. State out loud and often that they have the right to feel safe in their relationship. You can use teachable moments like watching movies, TV shows, to ask general questions and start conversations, asking them, what did you think about how that guy treated his girlfriend in the movie? What would you have done? You can also model healthy conflict, making sure that teens have strategies to negotiate conflict without escalation of violence. Notice any significant changes in behavior or appearance, and if you suspect that your child is in an unhealthy relationship, reach out for help. Don't go it alone. Try to keep your cool. Try not to overreact, even though your instinct may be to jump in. Be supportive and validating. Ask them how you can help. Encourage your child to reach out and call our hotline for help, and don't hesitate to get support for yourself. Most importantly, if you believe that your child's physical safety is at risk, call the police right away. Don't wait. Trained professionals at police and domestic violence providers are available 24-7 for safety planning and support. Please know that the time of separation or breakup is actually the most dangerous. So use domestic violence services and professionals to make a safety plan to carefully plan for a breakup. Meredith, it sounds as if there's many things that we can do, and so much of it is based on open dialogue and good communication and 
listening and paying attention to your own intuition, being sure that you are reaching out to friends that might be under unhealthy behavior relationships or even role modeling the best of behaviors. Your insight today has been so invaluable, and we thank you for your time and for your expertise. Is there anything else you want to add to our conversation today, something you want to leave with our audience? I think it's really important for everyone to really trust your gut. We have intuition for a reason. So if you're beginning a relationship and something doesn't feel quite right, it probably isn't. If a relationship feels like it's too good to be true, it probably is. And if you have that gut feeling or worry about a friend or your child, don't ignore it. Reach out for help, and there are services available 24-7. Thank you, Meredith. We've been speaking with Meredith Gold, Director of Domestic Abuse Services at the Greenwich YWCA. Remember, if you or someone you know is in immediate danger, call 911. For crisis intervention and other services and resources, including safety planning, counseling, and emergency shelter, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at one 800 799-7233 or in Connecticut you can call or text the statewide abuse hotline at 1-888-774-2900. To learn more about teen dating violence and resources discussed on today's podcast visit our website at talkingaboutit.org and remember to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next month with a brand new episode of Talking About It. This podcast has been made possible by the New Canaan Abuse Prevention Partnership, D.D. Bartlett Founder, a grant from the New Canaan Community Foundation, and Inovia Media Group, Robert Doran, and Claire Ayub, Executive Producers.